Okay, let's start off, if we could, by just, I was suggesting to you several minutes ago that <clears throat> even though there's nothing really uh, driving or, or compelling or, or far, even, you know, explosive, nothing's really exciting you or I because of the this kind of lull period, post-Oscar lull, which for me and for many of us was a was a staggering depressed depression uh in in the wake of uh, everything everywhere all at once winning <laughs> and um and now the uh you know basically as you were saying also i'm so sick of garbage movies uh you know uh, fanboy movies being the thing to see every weekend and uh you know i tried to sit through i tried i really did try to sit through um 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 um, um, um God, why am I blanking? Um, you know, uh, the, the the stupid um, board game movie uh, with... Um, uh, uh, ah, shit. You know what? They're all the what same. Do I... It doesn't even matter. It's like it's like insert movie not, here. Not Mario Brothers, the previous one, you know. Yeah, exactly. Insert movie here. Like, it doesn't even matter yeah. what it is. It's just formula movie, franchise movie, branded, aimed at kids. Yeah. And it's just... Uh... You know the 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 eagerness, the 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 willingness of people to to, to really just you know, and uh, mass uh, attend the, the the latest big stupid movie, and I see I see people responding, and then when something that's you know moderately um, better than moderately half decent like Air comes along, and I know it's kind of an older person's movie, and it's it's kind of you know sedate in certain ways and it's not exactly a visually dynamic whatever but it's but it's certainly something that 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 does something that kind of you know inserts itself into your bloodstream and makes you feel something about about hope and innovation and this was you know that's not trying to do something uh too uh stupendous in, in any way it's just kind of a modestly uh positioned and and it, of course it gets kind of forgotten about, almost forgotten about immediately, and it's probably not going to register at the end of the year. But it just seems like, what is the definition? What is the thing that we all kind of agree is is the is the, a necessity for feeling good about life, to feeling, uh, you know, kind of not not happy, but at least hopeful, you know, feel good about uh, the what's coming, is to feel good about what's coming. And I just don't feel it at this point. I feel I feel very despairing um, often about things. And that sounds like a broken record when you say that, because you could, you know, people were saying that back in 1913. Or yeah, exactly. 19, you know. Then and in the fifties, they they say it all the time. I know we we already know that, but let's just look at it. Let's look at it from a macro view, okay? So here we are, twenty years, twenty three years into the new millennium, right around the yeah. new millennium, two thousand. Everybody got online or started to started to migrate online. the The thing is, is that you know, up until that point, really, we had shared stories. I was just thinking about this, like. Hollywood, and I've talked about this before, so it's gonna, it is going to sound like a broken record, but Hollywood used to have to make movies for everybody, right? Because the free market mm -hmm. meant that you had to bring in as many people as possible because that was the economy of Hollywood. So we all had shared stories. We'd go to see a movie, uh, any movie in the 1980s, really, or in the 1970s. We all, we all saw Jaws, right? Yeah. Uh, we all saw Star Wars and all that. Um, but what started to happen as more people you know, we're alive, right? More people alive than ever before and more people connected than ever before. 
And so as the two sides started to fracture, Hollywood kind of started giving to most people, to the majority, the fast food model, right? How do you take a lot of people and profit from that? Well, you you reduce their choices because people get too confused and have too much anxiety if there are too many choices, and they whittle it down to specific brands, McDonald's, Chipotle, you know, uh, in and out. You know, it's like these fast mm-hmm. food places make so much money because every single mall in America basically has the same stores. Everything is a brand. Everything is reduced down to recognizable brands. So what made a town unique with all of its original stores and all of its original restaurants and mom and pop businesses in the American way became corporatized. And so people got to fit into these brands, into these lanes. I'm an in and out guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. uh, Hardee's guy or whatever it is. And I'm a McDonald's guy. And, you know, and then of course the sophisticates, all of us, people on the left, people in the big cities didn't mm. do that. We were you know, that wasn't meant for us, right? We were meant for this sort of, you know, other kind of world, this sort of great restaurants and great books and great music. And we just sealed ourselves off into this little isolated thing. The problem with that, and and now we've come to this place where there's a huge divide between the crap they're giving most people. And then over here, they're giving these specialty meals. And the problem is that if you give people only crap, then you're going to raise people who have no access to critical thinking no access to the truth. And so you think, okay, well, everything's so much better on the left. So why don't people want to be in there? Well, it's not though anymore because it's become dogmatic, right? So even that list we were looking at today, the the top films and the from the Hollywood Report, I was looking at that and I was thinking, this is 100% hot steaming bullshit. These are not the best movies. They are defining who they are right there. But, but what they're doing is they're guiding this movement, this religion, this cult towards this yeah. specific ideology. You will think like this. Every time you think about good movies, you have to make sure you are inclusive. You have to have films by women, films by people of color, films by the LGBTQ community. They have to be films that reflect our ideology, all of them. And so why would anybody have any interest in that? It is as stale and bad to me as the Super Mario Brothers side, too. Like, neither side is really telling the truth anymore. Neither side is really daring to tell the truth and making good art and making movies like the fucking Godfather. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. they don't Mm -hmm. make movies like that anymore. So and we're not just lamenting old times. We're lamenting access to the truth. We're lamenting artists now on the left or I I say on the left and what that means is I don't mean politically I mean the cultural left the this this weird bubble this cult that we've built over the past 20 years you know it I know it we live in it it was never as bad as it is right this particular moment right now we're reaching the peak of the worst of it will ever be I think and your readers would say oh that these old white people they just don't want people of color and gay people making movies And, and that's how they would interpret it But that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. I don't care who makes the movies. I care if the movies are getting to that thing, you know, scratching the surface and telling a truth, not a dogmatic truth, not not a truth that says America's been a sexist, racist country for all of it since its founding. Like, you know, that that's not that doesn't take us anywhere in terms of art. So that's what I think we're missing. 
This uh, article that you just referred to, just for those who haven't seen it, it's uh, pretty easy to find. It's the Hollywood Reporter's piece called The Hollywood Reporter Critics Pick mm. the 50 Best Films of the 21st Century So Far, and the um, <clears throat> co-authored by John Frosch, David Rooney, Sherry Linden, uh, Lavia, I can't pronounce the name, uh, Leslie Felperin, and Jordan Mincer. And it's, um, it's it's all about DEI entirely. It really I mean, is. A, it's so a... embarrassing. And, you know, the thing is, that social networks down in, like, the 30s, it's like, what, what are they talking about? Like, what what is their criteria here? They're just trying to, like, not make Twitter mad? You know, is that it? Or are they yes, trying to that's be good, good? That's exactly what it is. They're trying to be safe and, and, and be smart, you know, and have, you know, exhibit taste in their choices, which they do. But it's primarily governed by they want, Diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. and any number of masterful films, films that just aren't just artistically sublime, but really touch you and reach in and, and stay with you, stick to your ribs, all that, all those elements that we used to associate with greatness, it's out the window. It's, it's just not really considered that much. And mm. it's, um, well, it's we... just, I don't know what to say, but it's a surreal feeling for these people who are serious. They're not frivolous empty people no, no, there are people it, it, who, who really devoted to the cloth but they say all the shit anyway and you're supposed to sit here and go oh, oh yeah maybe they yeah, have no, a point every maybe single one were. of them i look at yeah. super mario brothers on the one hand totally emptied out depressing what could be worse and then i look over at that list and i think totally emptied out <laughs> like what could be worse like what mm, so yeah. here listen to this quote by Mil- remember milan kundera right who wrote sure, uh, absolutely and so we have yeah. what was it unbearable lightness of being was that him absolutely all right so i found wonderful this writer he was one of the best <clears throat> his his sentences they're so exquisite he's on the level <clears throat> if you ask me of joseph conrad and um he's just one of one of the best phrase phraseologists and 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 writers and sculptor of of excellent sentences and paragraphs he's one of the greats all right so i was i i think what we've done on the left is we've built a utopia right and utopias never last uh because and i'll tell you why I'll, i'll read you his quote about it but the that's what we did and and unfortunately for us when trump won that disrupted it and what they did instead of sort of saying okay well what are we doing wrong like maybe we should start rethinking how we've built society over this all this time maybe it's too isolating maybe it's too snobby maybe it's too elite maybe anything maybe it's too establishment driven whatever but instead what we did was we doubled down on the utopia and turned it into a dystopian sort of totalitarian uh culture so here's what he writes and i thought this was really beautiful what, when did he write this? How many decades uh, it's, ago? It's it's a book called The Book of Laughter and Forgetting, which I probably should read. Like I only got this one quote, but now I'm thinking I might want to read mm. this book. I sort of feel like this is this is going to nourish my soul. Somebody smart like this. Like <laughs> I sent you that personals ad, and I thought that when I read that, I thought that that nourishes my soul because it puts me back on the ground when when things weren't like they are now. This false reality that we're living through. All right, yeah. so here's his quote: Totalitarian. Um, totalitarianism is not only hell, but all the dream of paradise, the age-old dream of a world where everybody would live in harmony, united by a single common will and faith, without secrets from one another. André Breton, too, dreamed of this paradise when he talked about the glass house in which he longed to live. If totalitarianism did not exploit these archetypes, which are deep inside us and rooted deep in all religions, it could never attract so many people. 
especially during the early phases of its existence. Once the dream of paradise starts to turn into reality, however, here and there people begin to crop up who stand in its way, and so the rulers of paradise must build a little gulag on the side of Eden. In the course of time, this gulag grows ever bigger and more perfect, while the adjoining paradise gets even smaller and poorer. And I love that because what he's saying mm-hmm. is this utopia turns into a dystopia, it turns into Stalin's Russia or China, because that's what yep. communism and Marxism is, they're utopias. So what we have is we don't have people who realize that, like that film critics list that you're showing. And I'm not saying we're sitting there in gulags and it's also horrible. Everybody's fine, but you, you better behave. You better not yep. fall out of line. You better go along with the status quo or you watch out, you know. And pretend all the time, earnestly, as earnestly as you can, that there is no uh, utopian ideal that we're adhering to. We're mm. pretending that this is honestly what we feel are the best exactly. or the most artful, the most arresting films of the, of the last 20-something years, which is complete f- fantasy. It's, it's delusional, but they, and they know it, and you know it, and I know it, but they can't say it. And it's, uh, or they won't say it. They, they can't it's say it because stunning. what they've done is they've taken the measure of good. The measure used to be, and they would say, the measure was what white men thought, right? That's what they would say. And maybe that's true. But, but basically, mm. you know, that they're saying the standard has to change. The standard can no longer be what, what movies white people think. Like that guy on Twitter who said that Casablanca was a white, man, a white guy's movie, so why bother watching it? And, and that's. Who said that? Some kid on Twitter, it went into a trending topic. Everybody got, I, I, I quote tweeted it. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't give him a hard time because it's just a young person, you know, young people. It's like, what do they know? It's like, you know, he's, he's not speaking for everybody. It's just what he thinks right now. And he's wrong. He or she, they, mm. I, if I'm misgendering, I apologize. I have no idea what anybody is anymore, but it looked like mm. a he. Um, but if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll get into a lot of trouble on Twitter for it. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so so it was essentially about you know uh, anti-white male gender thinking, which is why how he dismissed Casablanca because it's a fruit of that mindset, that tyrannical mindset right. that people are determined to overthrow. Yeah, I mean, never or, mind that they were you know rescuing the world from Hitler and the Nazis in World War II. Forget about all that. Like, who cares, right? They're white guys, so mm-hmm. what do they mean? You know, and yeah. and so in, in in other words, the new standard has to be this. Mm-hmm. You know, inclusivity. If it's not there, then they don't even bother evaluating it. Like Air. Yeah. Air isn't a movie, and Air is inclusive and diverse, right? It is. Like, it's not. Someone pointed out that even Top Gun Maverick has its shades of of inclusivity and diversity and all that, you know, um, because it has to, because they always have yeah. to. And they can't just tell a straight up truth anymore, because the truth is that there are two realities in America. There's the reality outside and the reality inside. And most writers and filmmakers and Twitter people exist on the inside, and they're looking for movies that they respond to and people on the outside don't respond to them and vice versa you know yeah, um, yeah. so it's a mess man it might just be over you know I, it's funny how um i was telling you about what happened you you alerted me to i had not really paid close attention to what happened to to riley Gaines, the um the um, accomplished and uh, female athlete who was 
ganged up upon and and struck a couple of times and basically treated pretty horribly and had to retreat to the safety of a locked classroom for three hours before she could get out because of trans activists who were very, very angrily uh, condemning her in every every way she, they, they could. And I basically don't have a lot in common with uh, people who are uh, staunchly uh, traditionalist and conservative. I have some things in common, but not a lot. And I and I certainly don't, um, uh, you know, she was she's she's not really, you know, my type of person, but I certainly understand where she's coming from, which is that there's a basic understanding that we have, we that most honest people will acknowledge, which is that, you know, a person who is biologically male who declares that he she is no longer a male and is actually, you know, a woman in a, a matter of speaking, like Leah Thomas much taller, bigger, stronger than most women. It's fundamentally unfair for someone like her to be competing uh, on a, you know, in, in the Olympics and and, um, and all competitive uh, women's sports. Everybody understands that. There's nobody that argues that strongly except for, for trans fanatics. And this woman was really given a horrible time. And I just was... Well, no, that's was, not true. Uh, the, the people that go, are going along with it go all the way up to the president of the United States. And his entire administration, all medical establishments, and because this is what's happening, the, the 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 utopia. Let's call the left or whatever you want to call. I hate saying left and right because it's not really left and right. It's a whole different thing. But let's just yeah. say, for you know, simplicity's sake, the left or the utopia that that we all built on the left under Barack Obama. This idea of this new America where everybody gets a seat at the table mm -hmm. and we fight for our rights and we protest and. You know, these protests have been going on a long time. They've only recently escalated to sort of near violence. And the thing is, is that nobody's paying attention to it. Nobody's writing about it. It's sort of a, a echo of the 2020 protests where they just ignored the violent ones and they just said they were mostly peaceful. They're peaceful. This doesn't, isn't happening. The media isn't reporting on this sort of tyrannical crackdown on speech that's coming from the left. They they dwell in this world of like, oh, the right is trying to censor our gay books from schools and stuff. And yeah, it's true. That is happening. But it's also true that on the left, they are becoming militant in their desires to shut people down. And that's not just her. That's also what happened in the Tennessee Statehouse. It's controversial to say. And I don't agree that they should have been kicked out permanently. But when I saw the video of what they actually did, and you're a legislature, you, legislator, you don't do that. That's not what legislators do. That was a, like a, a mutiny to come in and protest with a bullhorn and then have people in the thing stand up. And, and what they were doing was they were pivoting from the shooting where it was a transgender person who shot yeah. up a school, a woman. That never happens. A biological woman who identified as a man shot up a school, a Christian school. And yeah. and they didn't just didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to pivot to guns and have it only be about guns. Well, there are other things to talk about in that shooting that happened. I under I, you know I was always from the left, so I'm not saying I don't agree with gun control, and I understand the urgency. But you know, there's so many guns in circulation right now that even if you banned them, I don't know that that's going to stop a, a fanatic you know who wants to kill a bunch of people for political reasons. And we don't know yet because they haven't released a manifesto. It could be something totally different, like this girl I loved, you know, turned me down. And so I don't know for sure. But if it is political, if it was a political hit of, of angry at the Christians for, you know, 
then that's something that we have to talk about. And then they can't talk about it right now because that's why I have to go back and forth between the right and the left because they just, on the left, there's a total blackout of news. And so if you're following news on the right, you have to be aware of when am I watching something that is overtly right wing and when am I watching something that's the truth that I'm not getting from the left? You know, that's the hard part. I was surprising myself. I said, I don't like this idea because I've I really uh, despise so much of what Tucker Carlson has has done and said and the way he's he's a hypocrite about his actual feelings about Trump. And yet the way he he pushed the uh, election, uh, the rigged election thing, along with other Fox uh, uh, personalities and news reporters. But I I really agreed with what he was saying about what had happened to Riley Gaines, and he, he didn't seem at all uh, out of the pale for what his views were. And you have to be, it's it's not easy, because if you don't like someone, and you generally don't uh, admire them or even respect them, if they say something that sounds inherently sensible, reasonable, not crazy, you have to kind of own up to that. And that's what I was doing. I was basically saying, look, I, I don't agree with Tucker Carlson. I'm certainly not an acolyte. But what he and Riley Gaines were saying on that particular, uh, uh, you know, broadcast interview was not crazy. It was basically sensible, insane. And yet I was called a Ku Klux Klanner by one guy <laughs> on my thread. And he actually went to the trouble of 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 having a cartoon with with Ku guys wearing hoods talking about me and my and where's Jeff and all that. I was astonished, wow. but that was the basic thing that I was. Uh, yeah, and and I, I, and I, it's crazy. It's ut- kind of utopia now, it. utopia now, right? Utopia. So utopia is get out of our utopia if you have even a tiny bit of disagreement with us or tiny bit. And I, I watched, um, I like this guy who was in the Mumford and Sons who ended up leaving because he got attacked after talking about a book about Antifa that, that people on the left got really mad about. And I really like him. Wasn't I Marcus Mumford in favor of that guy? He, didn't he try and beat up on him, by the way? Wasn't he part of the condemning choir? I don't know if guy? he did, but the other guy, I can't remember. What's his name? God, I, I'm so, this is bad. The one who was booted or, or Yeah, Marcus the one who himself? was booted. What is his name? Anyway, he does podcasts and stuff. He writes. He's mm-hmm. really sweet, soft-spoken guy. And he, he did a thing with Matt Walsh recently where he taught him how to play the banjo. And I was watching it. And I was okay. thinking, that is so brave of him. Like, who else would do that? Like, that's so, you know, because Matt Walsh is actually considered even worse than Trump, I think, at this point. Like, he's really public enemy number one because of his views on transgenderism and the thing that bugs me is like how come it has to be so all or nothing like how come you have to be either all the way over on matt walsh's side where you never use preferred pronouns and you don't even believe that there are transgender people that exist or you have to go all the way on the other side and think that there's no biological difference between them and and that's why they can play in sports and and play this game mm. of pretending reality isn't reality. You know, like, isn't there, can't there be a middle ground? Like, yes, I accept that there are transgender people. And I'll say, I'll call a transgender person a her or a him or whatever they want. But I'm not going to sit there and pretend that reality isn't reality. You know, I am a female because I am a woman who had my period and that shaped who I was. I'm a woman who went through ovulation and pregnancy and 
And I, I will be fine to say, yes, you feel like a woman, you're identifying as a woman, I get all that, I understand it, I accept you as you are, but I'm not going to say you should go see a gynecologist, you know, <laughs> like. That I know nobody who's even a little bit reasonable disputes that the gender thing in a social context is something that we shouldn't support or recognize or respect. We, I, we all do. I don't know of anybody who would be that crazy enough to say that even in the you know, even in the social context that you can't, uh, that there's gender is, you know, if you, if you want to call yourself womanly or a woman or woman, uh, someone who is primarily driven and guided by, by, by feminine uh, identity, whatever, it's okay with me. Nobody's, I, I, I have ever, never heard of anybody being dis- disputing this kind of thing. But if you don't, sign into that completely you're you're a bigot and yeah. it's uh I, I just don't know how to respond to this but it's crazy it's really like there's a it's a it's a mania that i that i think is really like i i'm i'm left speechless about how crazy it, it all seems to me uh, um, me too and <laughs> and i understand that i you know unlike you and i i you know i respect you for what you, you've done you've held on to your values your liberal values you're you know you're a pathological trump hater and you don't want anything to do with those folks and and for all of your efforts what do you get they call you the kkk it's like it's just kkk yeah yeah. (laughs) for all your efforts to still hold on to your values and not abandon them and to stay Mm. on the right side and fight the good fight for all of that this is what you get um i i'm uh, i'm happy to be myself and you know people call me a trump supporter and all that i'm happy to be on the outside now where i don't have any allegiance to anyone and i don't really care what people say about me anymore because i see them attacking the most liberal people the the kindest people the the people who are just trying to do you know right by the world and if they make one tiny little mistake that's it you know the hammer comes down and so i feel like fuck that i'm not going to be part of that forget it i don't i you know i don't have like you i don't have the same anchor anymore because i feel like the left i once knew the democrats i once knew all that that's gone um they've been overtaken by a cult yeah they're just off the cliff and there's uh again i don't know anybody who who doesn't understand or recognize or suspect strongly that that's what's happening what do you feel uh hopeful about as far as the coming remainder of the spring and particularly the summer what do you what do you feel uh, what what gets you hopeful what you know how about the woody have you read about how good that's supposed to be yeah i'm really looking forward to it being totally torn apart on twitter by activists and having everybody (laughs) shamed for liking it that's going to be really fun people being embarrassed (laughs) to talk about that's that's going to happen you understand that of course that it's uh, no matter how good it is or how uh distinctive it is or maybe it is on the level of say match point which everybody liked uh they're gonna they're gonna trash it no matter what well but um they uh i wrote on twitter this guy was talking about the you know you saw it i sent it to you he said john ford and then he said uh stanley kubrick and he said um martin scorsese and i and i added on um cohen brothers spielberg and fincher mm-hmm. and then i right. thought about adding woody allen and i was like oh god i can't do it can i Mm. and i pulled back i didn't do it because i just like i don't need the headache i don't need the headache today you know (laughs) so am i looking forward to killers of the flower moon by scorsese very much looking forward to that 
One thing I know about Scorsese is he's not going to sell us down the river with the, you know, he's, he'll tell a good story. Um, yes, he's a good enough craftsman, and he's certainly not an ideologue or a, uh, a, or, or a left radical. Um, but you have to consider what was claimed by one of the co-stars at Sundance last January, that there is a reorientation on Scorsese's part when it was pointed out and argued, I guess within the crew and the you know producers that there was too much of a kind of a uh, a white guy um, perspective on the horrific events of the murders that happened to the Osage uh, Indians between the early to late 1920s, and that it had to be more of a Native American perspective, and that was apparently uh, a principal reason why. There was more shooting done, and that uh, it was Lily, Lily, what's her name, who said this, um, um, and that that's why extra shooting was done to kind of insert this perspective that they felt was was vastly needed. And you know, before you didn't want to have it uh, be about the FBI uh, basically coming into its own during this this episode, which is how, by the way, it was described to me by Leonardo DiCaprio himself at a party. At uh, in uh, a couple of years ago, he said basically it's about the you know the FBI kind of finding its its footing and finding its its theology, if you will, and and becoming a real strong organization uh, because of this uh, how uh, how they responded to these murders. So, but they didn't want it to be you know the the white FBI guys being the the heroes of it. They wanted it to be at least more of a half and half thing the Osage Indians themselves the Native Americans themselves uh having their point of view and I guess I don't know what particularly the story having not read the book but you know what I'm saying I mean they they decided to change it a little bit so that's the only thing that gives me uh, not concern but I but it makes me kind of wonder sensitivity you know? readers yeah that's exactly the the analogy that it's what they do in 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 publishing and this is what it seems to have happened I don't know that, but it seems to have possibly been a factor in the additional shooting and maybe the overall, you know, editing of the film. Who knows? It's supposed to be three hours and 20 minutes. Thank goodness it's not verging on four hours, which is what a variety story had stated. Uh, so apparently it is more like 320, which is, you know, if it's if a film is great or at least, you know, riveting, it's, you know, you don't notice the time. If it's if it's a little bit problematic or if it's sluggish, you notice it at uh, 100 minutes. You know, mm -hmm. you notice it, uh, you know, it's all a matter of. All right. So I'm looking at the list here of upcoming Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. most anticipated films. And it's uh, it's pretty yeah. depressing and bleak all the way through. But I'll tell you the ones that look good to me. And it's really sad. I'm sorry to be such a traditionalist. And I apologize, but I'm I'm just not going to. I'm not going to tell people what I think uh, if I don't actually think it and, and, and they can make of it what they will. You're talking about the entire rest of the year and not just the yeah. summer, right? No, yeah. Okay. And meant the summer, no. It's, Jeff, I mean, according to this list anyway, I mean, you're looking at, you know, The Flash, um, Extraction uh. 2, <laughs> Transformers, <laughs> Spider-Man, The Little Mermaid, mm. Fast yeah. X, you know, Guardians mm. of the Galaxy, uh, some yeah. Guy Ritchie movie. Like, I, I'm not seeing anything on here that looks even remotely interesting to me. Bo is yeah, afraid. Looks terrible. Um, mm. Evil Dead. There's a new Evil Dead movie. Um, 
So yeah, I got to move out of that era and get down to the movies that I'm semi-interested in. And, and I see the mm-hmm. Wes, A- Wes Anderson, you know, ordinarily I wouldn't be all that excited about it. But at this point, please, I'll take it. You're talking about the uh, the UFO uh, Southwestern setting, right? That uh, one? Asteroid City. Yeah. Asteroid, Asteroid City, City, it's City, called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just, right. I, I can't wait for the arguments of us. Is uh, The movie, um, nope was better and why everybody liked this movie even though they're the same movie but nope is directed by a black director and everybody likes the one directed <laughs> by the white director you know mm. that's coming um indiana jones and the dot and the dial of destiny james mangold is a director that i like so maybe is it going to be terrible who knows uh according to a guy who this is secondhand but it's been seen and it's pretty well crafted and it feels he this person told me it's the person who's engaged at disney that there's a uh, a real feeling of like um kind of a revisiting <laughs> of the kind of um escapist you know film that we've all enjoyed before and it doesn't feel like a 2023 film but it feels like they've done a pretty good job of revisiting that that psychology, that emotionality that that we associate with good, you know, rip snorting entertainments. And I don't believe any of that, but it's, you know, maybe. <laughs> I don't you know, either. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a bait and switch. I hope not. I hope not. We'll see. Uh, you know, but every movie is always like, you have to like a female in this role. You have to like a person of color in this role. And if you don't, so we have to love Phoebe Waller Bridge. We we have to go for her as the as the big uh, positive element. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, that was because... the rumor, but I've heard the rumor shot down. So I'll I'll you know they said the same thing about James Bond. So maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. Who knows? But mm-hmm. you and I both know what the re- what the religion demands in the utopia. Yeah. So we know how it's going to go. Right. Like these movies can't even get made in the first place because you've got these people working at the studios green lighting the movies you can't even get your script in usually if you're you know uh anyway so um right. mm-hmm. in general things have changed and 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 you know if you want to cover the film business you have to just sort of understand that and roll with it but i don't think that means you have to go along with it i think you can always offer a slightly critical perspective of what you see so there's barbie mm-hmm. right we've we, you and i have discussed barbie uh <laughs> on our various text messages to each other of course i'm really looking we can talk about barbie if you want um so so barbie what do you think do you think it looks good or do you think it looks terrible <laughs> what did you call it an internment camp was that barbie or one of yeah. them was it barbie you called an internment camp or was it something yes. else oh, it was yes, so it funny. <laughs> internment yeah. camp. Well, I can't um I can't say no or that I that I find it uninteresting to have all that in, amazingly <laughs> intense pink in the color scheme. That was uh you know, I I appreciate and understand that that's that's an idea, you know. Uh it it it, it it's arresting and I and I can see obviously the idea is not to revisit or 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 celebrate the uh, you know the, the myopic uh, worldview, the way you know, women who were you know young fifty years ago, sixty years ago, uh, saw themselves and saw the, the idea of fulfilling their destiny of, of of being a perfect Barbie and all. You know, obviously it's critical of that, and it's and it's more uh, and it's going to be a diverse uh, celebration, obviously. And so it seems like it's a it's really about um, 
not that critical of the whole Barbie thing, but it's basically what they really want to do is emphasize, you know, once again, uh, DEI and make it into a kind of a, a you know, kind of a positive, uh, funny, uh, uh, you know, hip, uh, uh, you know, semi-secure. There's, there's secure a word. Effect. There's a word we're looking for. It starts with a W. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we can't say the word. That's the word. You want to define woke in the dictionary? Look at the Barbie. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, maybe it won't be that bad. Um, I think I, I thought at first it looked. I mean, it still looks kind of fun to me. Like you know, I think if if there's any place where they can really get their groove on in terms of intersectionality mm -hmm. and you know, vibing the Generation Z of like you know gender fluidity and and uh, celebrating you know. Um, everybody's sort of being gay and, and I, you know, I love, I, I'm, I think it's a perfect for the Barbie world, you know, it's going to be a phenomenon in the gay community, I figure. And, um, every, you know, it's every smart critic, every critic that has any character, um, uh, and, and, and really any kind of, uh, interest in being honest, uh, you have to say to them, listen, I understand what you're doing. This film fits the requirements of a 23 film. It's got the DEI thing going. But really, just after you've already approved of a film for that reason, can you please do us the favor of stepping back a couple of feet and just saying, now, if, it, if forgetting the DEI requirement of 2023, what do you think of the film on its own terms, apart from what it's doing politically and culturally and the, and the area that it's staking out? Just can you tell us what you think about the act movie as opposed to what it's doing and i don't think any of them are willing to do that that's the thing well, that i, I, I don't think you can se you can't separate it right you can't separate that from everything everywhere all at once either like it, it is integral to the to the whole idea of it because they're not judging yeah. the film just as a film they're judging it on what it says to their generation that's what they think generation mm -hmm. z wants and now i don't actually think that they do want that i think that's the, that's a myth I think they want what mm -hmm. everybody wants, which is good storytelling. And they, they make it out like everybody in Gen Z loved everything everywhere, but they didn't. My daughter didn't like it, and she is the target audience for that movie. And she didn't, she liked a, a few scenes here or there, but, you know, it, it's not a movie that everybody went nuts for. They, they think it is. They think that's the future. And, and maybe to, to a lot of people, they did love it. I don't, I don't want to condemn them for loving a movie. That's great when people love movies. And I'm not mm. saying they have to love it for the same reasons I would. You know, we're older, we have a different generation, and we have a different tastes that, you know, films that we like and stories that we like. A movie that is aimed at someone who's 21 isn't necessarily going to be a movie that I particularly think is good. I don't expect Greta Gerwig, you know, ever to make a movie that I really like all that much. I mean, <laughs> it's horrible to say. <laughs> but I think I'm just too, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but just sort of too old. Like, I've been through it. Like, she's making movies to, for her generation and generations after, and they get into it, and they love it, and it resonates with them. And, and I understand that, you know. Um, it, uh, not everything is for everybody. However, I was a Barbie fanatic mm. when I was a kid. I grew up with Barbie. I had Barbie. My favorite thing was the Barbie um, camper van. Was my absolute. I just was the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened in this world. Was that little camper mm -hmm. van, and I loved Barbie. You know, I grew up with it. So that part of it I like, and mm -hmm. and I don't mind that it's all. You know, it's gone. Um, uh, you know, uh, drag queen story hour. <laughs> like I don't mind it that it's gone in that direction. It's 
it'll be fun. Mm. You know, a lot of people will have a good time with it. And I think that's uh, like they couldn't get him in to see bros, but they'll get him in to see this one. And that's, you know, that's close enough. But um, do we like what about the other films that are giving you hope uh, or make you feel, you know, kind of good about possibilities? What what's got you going for the rest of the year besides besides Barbie and well, OK, Killers so here's the, the thing about here's the thing about Barbie that sort of annoys me slightly that I'll, I'll bring up. Is that isn't it a kind of a hypocritical culture that pretends they're all about inclusivity, but still the whole thing is really centered around a, a blonde, beautiful blonde woman? Um, isn't that sort of hypocritical? Because isn't the idea that the, it's supposed to be like the Little Mermaid, right? The Little Mermaid with a black, mm-hmm. with a black heroine, and then that puts a person of color at the center, you know? And Barbie doesn't. Like I personally don't care one way or the other, but um, but I just think it's interesting that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too and nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So Oppenheimer looks great. Can't wait for that. Totally into it. Um, Me too. Very much looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> Cause I figure how, um, how can he screw this up? Uh, and I love the idea of that. He did not use CG or digital. Of any kind. He actually exploded something. That was um, real time. It was actual. It was physical. Uh, I, I can't wait for that moment alone, just because of what he allegedly did. Nolan uh, did when to simulate the initial explosion of the atom bomb in um, <clears throat> in New Mexico. So that's going to be good. And of course, there's the moral lamenting that inevitably is always uh, part of any discussion of about nuclear weaponry. And yet, you know, you can you can also have to kind of get past that and say, well, you know, um, it was pretty horrific uh, that the idea that so many nations had nuclear weapons and they, that's still a big, uh, you know, thing to have if you're a, a formidable nation. If 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 Ukraine had nuclear weapons, hadn't given them given them up, I think it was Clinton who said he's really sorry that he had negotiated for them to, re, to yeah. give up the because they wouldn't probably wouldn't have been invaded. If they had. That's right. That's a good deterrent. But here's the thing about that is, do you know what the plot is of this movie at all? Like, do you know? I mean, I know it's about Oppenheimer and I know about Oppenheimer and stuff, but do we know if he's going totally crazy, you know, in his usual sort of loop of surreality or is he following a plot? It seems to me that he has to because he's not, uh, he's, it, it, it takes place on the planet Earth and had, and, and he's, I'm I'm everything I've read about Oppenheimer himself and everything I've uh, read about the film means that his in exchange or in re- response to his having brought an end to the war and saved God know many hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, but he he has to pay the price for having uh, introduced this horror into yeah. our world. And that, that that's that's the kind of a tragedy. Is what yeah, but he from. knew it. He knew it. He was horrified by it. You know, I was just listening to a history broadcast about Truman and the two bombs that we dropped. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Truman himself is a fascinating character. If FDR had been alive, I don't think he would have dropped those bombs. And I know it's probably a naive thing to say. I'm sure there are whole history books written about this. And De- Truman was very defensive, but he shouldn't have dropped those bombs. I know the Japanese wouldn't have stopped, but the casualties that they you know it would have still been a bloody ugly war but do you not drop an atomic bomb on these places i mean that just that's mass murder 
I, I you know, I feel caught. Com- com- War is essentially cruel, and it has no moral compass. It's about cruelty. Um, and I, if yeah. if they hadn't dropped the bomb, I would never have come. Probably would never have existed because my father would have been uh, part of the invasion and the death tally would have been horrible for, uh, you know, it would have been a slaughter uh, on the part of Americans and not to mention Japanese, obviously. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's terrible, but it did bring it to a close. Well, he, he offered him to surrender and he refused. He said, look, I'm going to, he warned him. He said, I'm going to drop this bomb if you don't surrender. And he said, I'm not going to surrender. And he dropped the bomb and then the guy surrendered. It's like a little too little too late. But um, it's a, that's a fascinating, sad story. Uh, but it is one of those those who uh, don't pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it. And so yep. maybe bringing it back will wake people up to the threat, potential threat of nuclear war that we're headed for. We're barreling towards it right now. And um, it's just going to be a matter. Because you think that Putin is, is, is serious about using tactical nuclear weapons as a way of. Uh, I, I don't know. But what I what I'm, I'm scared about, I mean, this is to deviate again, but what I'm scared mm-hmm. about is is the delusional thinking on the left and in America right now and the Biden administration, especially. It's like this idea that he's, Putin's just going to back off when he's made an alliance with uh, Xi Jinping, when Saudi Arabia is making an alliance with Iran and they're they're all enemies of this country. And I'm mm-hmm. not so sure that we can force. It looks like World War to me. I'm not so. You know, if if everything's going to be this is World War One probably though, not World War Two because there's no Jews in concentration camps or Hitler's. There is just this ridiculous mm-hmm. territory fight, and people won't back off. And people want Putin to just back off, but he doesn't want to, and he won't. Now he has to save face. The guy's insane. So yeah. do they really think an insane guy is going to just say, okay, well that was that? No, he's not. My first reaction in the early weeks of the invasion was that I think there should be uh, Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible guys should somehow arrange to have Putin murdered and make it look like he wasn't murdered by by the U.S. or any kind of operatives. That's the best solution. Well, people think it is, but I've heard other people say, other uh, military guys say, you just don't know what you're in for when you do something like that because you don't know who's going to take his place. You don't know how that destabilizing that country, what that's going to do, you know, is unpredictable. War, as you said, is is um, war is, I mean, it's, look at the World War II, man. Look at the, the destruction from what Hitler mm-hmm. did to what we did. I mean, it's just, and, and we're headed for that now and because people can't stop. And as you see in our country, this idea of like, we were all like, cancel culture, cancel culture. But now cancel culture is is becoming sort of militant in our country. And I don't know, like, it just feels like a really weird time. Things are really very tense, <laughs> not just here, but mm. all over the world. And, and it seems to me that throughout history, humans only have one way of dealing with that. And that is a huge ass war. Yeah. So I hope not. And uh, I really, really hope not. That's all I'm going to say about that. But. Anyway, um, I I don't. Can know I ask you something? Yeah. You mentioned. I'd just like to hear your. You said that you don't believe that FDR, had he not died in April of forty-five, he would not have resorted to actually using 
nuclear devices against yeah. Japan. And why do you believe that? Do you think that well, he I think was that... more in favor of letting it play out on a massive invasion of Japan? I'm just kind of curious. What do you think his strategy, his actions? I, I don't think, I just personally don't think he would have taken that dramatic of a step. I think he would have figured something else out. He was just a different kind of leader. And, and Truman's like Biden. Uh, he's a small man. He's somebody who couldn't really win or lead. And people didn't like him. Same with Biden. And the thing is, is that FDR was a he was a four term president who had an incredibly wide and, and expansive worldview and was intelligent. And he was the one that was navigating through this with with um, Eisenhower and all the other generals in the war and stuff. And, and, and that kind of wisdom, that kind of expansive thinking and leadership is just something we do not have in this country right now. And that's why it's so scary. and, and um, and uh, precarious because biden is mm. like truman he's not someone who can think in terms of i mean maybe not i don't know like i you know i have no idea but i think that truman was a bitter guy right people didn't like him he wasn't a very popular and i just don't think he had the, the level of experience to he was not prepared to be president you know Haberdashery, a smallish man with glasses, <laughs> not a uh, not a man of great, you know, legendary gravitas, you know, a, 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 a practical minded politician, but a, not a great visionary. Mm. But, you know, if you read your your history and you read your like people like David McCullough, uh, he grew into that role, and he developed a real backbone, and he was a um, pretty formidable, formidable fellow by the time he fired General MacArthur. And, you know, he wasn't quite the the smallish fellow that he was uh, at the moment. You know, moment I just sent you that quote about strong men making good times and stuff like that. Those guys, those generals, MacArthur and Patton and those guys, like— they were mm -hmm. so hardcore. <laughs> like, think about that, those men. And now think about our country and think about the men in our country, mm -hmm. the men in leadership in our country. And then think about those men. Like, mm -hmm. those guys could fight world wars. You know, I, I mean, it's just, it's so astonishing to me. Like, that was that hard mm -hmm. men make good times and good times make weak men. Mm -hmm. um, that, mm -hmm. that quote and it's just like I think of those generals anyway so I'm I'm looking forward to obviously mm -hmm. without should go without saying I'm very much looking forward to David Fincher's The Killer supposedly that's a genre exercise it, it can't be that much it, I mean I'm love it that he's back in the theatrical arena and that Fincher is going to make an excellent film for what it is essentially it's really about a guy having an attack of conscience um, and deciding maybe he doesn't want to be an assassin anymore, and he feels kind of badly about what he's done, right? Isn't that essentially Well, the, the plot says, following up on his Oscar-winning mank for Netflix, David Fincher turns to something a little darker. We don't know much about this film, except that it's a neo-noir thriller based on mm -hmm. a French graphic novel series, and it will star Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. November. But you have read that it does have, it's about a moral reckoning element, about yeah. a person. Yeah, and he, he gets, you a, know, yeah. Mm -hmm. He gets wants a... to kind of save himself or get or you know extricate himself of what he finds more and more uh, distasteful and odious, and he doesn't want to be that person anymore. It's a change, change of season, change of heart movie, more or less. Ah, I can't wait. Anyway, so that's November. Do we know if it's going to Cannes or not? 
there hasn't been any um, you, you would think that they that it would be because it would certainly be a, a great uh, platform a great way to start things off but i haven't heard a, a word because the talk has not been in there at all and i guess that's partly fincher not wanting to subject himself to the uh, to the british press and all the reactions that always come but i i i, I really would love it if he would take that film there and and to kind of just jump into that that pool of that movie and, and and just kind of swim in it and have, it would be great well you I, you I'm know sorry. that um that killers of the flower moon's going obviously because that news already broke so yeah um are you excited about can this year more so than i have been in many years because the you know the, the story of can over the last 10 years since really since um, No Country for Old Men, which is that there are these films that you would love to see play there, and they don't play there because what has happened in the last, say, 15 years is that the the um, strategists, the, um, you know, who just determine or try to make, make calls about how to position a film that might have award season uh, potential is not to start things off in Cannes because you just have to restart the engine all over again when the fall films come up and why why go to all that trouble but to, and why go to all that risk if it doesn't uh, uh, you know happen or responded to in the way they would uh, hope for mm. so um, the whole thinking of on the part of the long term you know the highly paid Oscar strategist is don't start in Cannes. I mean, the the um, No Country for Old Men, which is wonderful when that happened, but that was an anomaly, I guess. Uh, it's just not the um, the strategy that has prevailed. And uh, for many years, poor Terry Fromo and the Cannes people did what they could to get the the highly intriguing films, you know, to, to play. And it, it's it's still a vital, necessary, exciting festival, but. The real home runs, the real triples, uh, don't ever seem to get programmed. And for the first time in a long time, between the Scorsese and Woody Allen, and and even the Wes Anderson, and um, even just for fun, the you know the Indiana Jones uh, five, you know, it's a lot of interesting stuff is happening. And that's just the off the top of my head without having really looked into the things that may happen. But it's kind of exciting. I, I feel better about going there this year than I have in many, many years. Yeah. And I'm excited for you that you get to go because, you know, you're always at your best. You're always thriving when you're doing this, when you're on the, you know, you're, you're going to film festivals and you're traveling and you're working, you're writing instead of yep. stagnating. I mean, that's all really, really great. Um, there's one more here. I mean, remember the old days when you used to go to Sundance and Toronto and all these festivals and stuff, you know, you, it's energizing and it's exciting and it, and it puts spring in your step. But uh, but I feel it's like, uh, you know, the best of my life in terms of my professional swagger, my adventuring is, is over. I mean, I, I, I wish it would come back. <laughs> I, wish, I wish that life could could be different. But it's not, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love the, the daily. It, nothing has happened in terms of the... The writing but i but the uh the really juicy fun of of this lifestyle of this 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 profession which is wonderful for me anyway for about 15 years from say i mean actually uh going back to the 90s when i started going to sundance i mean say say starting in 93 94 
it was a really wonderful um, way of living, and I had a really wonderful life. And I and I felt that for 15 years, I I savored the fruits of that, and I was delighted. And and you know, it was stressful, and and uh, it was certainly no walk in the park, but it was a fantastic way of uh, of, of of earning a living, and and you know, the 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 the, the, the arguments and the and the spiritual stuff that was always part of the each and every film. It was amazing, really. And I don't think there's any diminishment, at least from my perspective, but I'm not being paid the way I used to. And I have to struggle a lot to just get to these things. And I uh, I really wish that uh, that that I could turn the clock back and, and stay back in that, in that realm that I was in from, say, 06, 05, until um, 20, which is when it all started to change, 19 and 20. I just, I never thought that, I never thought that that uh, that it would be the this my side of the aisle that would turn into the puritanical scolds and change art. It's just really surreal, but it is what it is, you know. And uh, and it, it's made for very suffocating, overly conscious writing and filmmaking. Yeah. People are just too afraid to offend. And I say, get out there and offend. Get out there and offend. You know, it's it's the only thing to do. You know, it's just like all these. You know, the the, the Tom Russ, uh, Laffley, uh, you know, click. That I I just you know figure fuck it. You know, I mean, I this is what I think. This is the way it feels to me. I'm certainly not going to tippy toe my my way around this. So I feel liberated in a way. So it's, uh, I, I found it so funny that like oh we have one more movie and that's Napoleon. That's the other one I'm looking forward to. The Ridley Scott movie. Very much so. Very much so. Yes. And he's um, he's a sharp, sharp bird, and he is not uh, not slow. I can't down. imagine it, it not being a very satisfying, uh, strong, uh, certainly something to 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 have a lot of fun with, uh, and 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 it'll be great. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, Good this one sounds sounds like it's going to be a strong Oscar contender. It's next goal wins, which I know that they were going to release last year, but. It says Taika Waititi takes on a decidedly more grounded film uh, in his adaptation of 2015 documentary, the same same title. The story follows Dutch-American soccer coach Thomas Rongen Fossbender, who was hired to help turn around the American Samoa national team, which is considered one of the worst in the world. We all know that that movie has not come out forever it's been sitting there forever and it's largely i've read because they felt that they had to get uh, recast and reshoot the stuff that army hammer uh, oh come on that's, that's, that was, that's not true is it really true he was he was a i don't think he was playing some fringe small role my understanding is that his performance his role in that film was a fairly significant character uh i know fassbender the lead and so on but he was you know they had to reshoot his stuff from what i understand oh, he's God. not in it anymore uh, I, I can't remember off the top but if i had the page in front of me i could tell you who it is but they had to get someone else to replay and redo all the scenes that army hammer was in oh jesus christ sorry it's easter i shouldn't be saying that taking the lord's name <laughs> in me so um i, I hear this this rose- you haven't read that that's been around. No, I, I somehow didn't didn't reconcile this idea that he was in that movie and that they and that they paused it because of that. That that's just all right. So Roosevelt, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, opening on July fourteenth. Like I haven't heard anything about this. Have you? 
Is that real? I'm completely lost what you just said. It, well, here on Rotten Tomatoes, it says Roosevelt, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. TR, not, not FTR, TR, right? Teddy? No, it's, it, no, it's, no, it's got to be FDR. The Roosevelt, no. There's only, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, people call Teddy Roosevelt, but Roosevelt is FDR. So it says, opening on July 14th, 20, this cannot be true. What is this? It says, the legacy of the 32nd president of the United States gets the Martin Scorsese treatment with Leonardo DiCaprio set to star as the leader who navigated the Great Depression in World War II. This was announced way back in 2017, and we haven't heard a whole lot of about it since then. So take this release date with a grain of salt. This, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't have the slightest bit of, of, of believability. J, J. Edgar Part 2. Um, let's see if, if I can find it online, any more information about it. Um, I hadn't heard of it either, but obviously... I think, is... I think you have to cut this out because it has no bearing. I mean, no, I, I don't it's any... on their list. And, 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 Who's list? And you know who Run has tomato? it on? Well, I'm, I'm looking at Jordan's site. Jordan... Has a, okay. has a story. Okay. It says RT dates Scorsese's Roosevelt for July fourteenth, twenty twenty three, and then he writes, "Did they mean Killers of the Flower Moon?" So he okay. caught that error. It's written on his site. That's so funny. Okay. So what we're talking about is no. I think it's worth bringing up. Um, let's see. Here's a Variety mm. story from twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what happened to this movie? <laughs> oh wait, that the Variety story says Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, that's what I recall. I remember definitely Teddy and Leonardo. I didn't buy that either. I remember um, uh, being pretty intrigued by Brian oh, Keith's <gasps> performance of Teddy Roosevelt in The Wind and the Lion. With well, okay, so this is 2017. This is pre-Great Awakening, right? They're dragging Teddy Roosevelt statues out of places. They, they, would, mm-hmm. they can never make a movie about Teddy Roosevelt. FDR might get a pass, but Teddy Roosevelt, I think they're considering him, even though he was one of the greatest presidents of our entire history. Um, great man. Absolutely. And I can see why Leonardo DiCaprio would be interested in him because of his, his commitment to the parks, the national parks. and, and uh, mm-hmm. But he was just this. You know, Teddy Roosevelt got shot and then he got shot in the chest. Where his speech, a copy and, of his speech was, and he went and gave the speech. <laughs> he was uh, shot and saved, I think, by something that was in. It was his wallet. The bullet didn't penetrate, but it hit something that saved him. Something he was wearing. Was it a? Well, uh, he something... was. He was wounded though. Um, he was okay. wounded, and he went and gave that speech. It was just amazing. Like. They don't make men like that anymore, that's for sure. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, so obviously take that whole announce. Forget it. There's no, whoever wrote that thing doesn't, got the wrong yeah. Roosevelt, you know. Mm. Um, but One final thing, and we can wrap it up. And All that's right. basically something that was sent to me. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, going back to a couple of hours ago. Um, there is a report that apparently is real in which the Warner Brothers people were auctioning off many old stuff, old uh, materials from press kits and, and, and a lot of kind of memorabilia. And they basically uh, um, decided to stop the auction. I mean, they're basically trashing, throwing out a lot of significant uh, you know, materials from the past. 
and it's being regarded uh, and lamented as, as really a horrible thing because basically it's uh you know <clears throat> the people running Warner Brothers today they're just caretakers they just happen to be the people uh, you know in power now but you're mm. basically you, you're you're a parent of of the past you have to kind of respect the past and you don't just throw everything out and 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 you know dismiss the past as something to got, be gotten rid of and that's that's kind of a big thing in some circles that they are not respecting haven't respected um the the, the you know the, the Warner Brothers history basically so well they should bring um, in a curator to help them out with that that's pretty pretty terrible um one movie we forgot to talk yeah. about was the holdovers mm. um oh of course yes that's going to be um Actually, uh, remember what people said about the holdovers during, I believe it was Toronto um, last September. And uh, they were so taken with this film. And, uh, you know, buyers, you know, take that for what it's worth, great salt. But uh, there was a very, very, uh, you know, positive, bordering on, uh, you know, euphoric reaction to this film, and then it's a, a real resurgence on on Payne's part, allegedly, and um, so it's it's it, you know it's kind of a dealing with the the climate in schools about um, Paul Giamatti playing a kind of a curmudgeonly yeah. guy who does gets the woke thing, but he's kind of has it out with some younger people. It sounds like it's got a pretty good element. So, um, and it's, and I would be talk about a great can boy, if they were to send that film, that would be amazing. But that I'm presuming is going to be, you know, a fall a film, yeah. film festival, you know, playwright um, Venice. So. so, uh, color purple, the musical is coming out on December yep. 25th, Christmas. So that's probably going it's to be... kind of a signal that they don't really consider that to be an award season thing if they're bringing out at Christmas, right? No, I when think you... that means that they think it's going to be an awards season thing, and that they for Christmas they're going for big box office. But okay. you know, it's obviously going to be a strong contender, right? How could it not be? Yeah, because the last one okay. was, was uh, Steven Spielberg, ten Oscar nominations and zero wins. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So anyway, happy yeah. Easter. And I know we're both tired. We're both yawning all the way through this thing, but we got it done. So we got to pat ourselves okay. on the back for that. And we didn't have anything to say about it, but we did something this day. And there's lots Hopefully. of, you know, we'll see. You on, so, I'll edit you know. it down. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Take care. Bye. I just like to say before I start that it's, uh, one of the pleasures of my life to be able to be on this stage with these people tonight. They got it now, Robbie. <laughs>